Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the first inaugural BAFCA Coaching Podcast episode. This will hopefully be the first of many as we go through a journey of learning more about the sport in Great Britain, but also eventually expand across the world and develop coaches, which is one of the main goals of, of BAFCA. So the aim of this podcast really is, first of all, just to provide another resource for coaches to learn um, develop and even appear as a guest to share their knowledge whether you're a great british coach or whether you're in america or whether you're from somewhere else from across the world so first of all use this resource share knowledge where you can and hopefully this will be beneficial to coaches across the world Um, but secondly we also want to use this as a platform to share information about uh, developments that the BAFCA organisation is doing, which may be things such as uh, coaching courses or CPD opportunities or information about the upcoming uh, BAFCA convention, uh, which is happening in July this year. And we will share information as and when it becomes available. But do subscribe and do all the things you can do to make sure that you don't miss an episode. and. If you want to be a guest on the show or you've got ideas about how this how this podcast can operate, please do contact um, the BAFCA committee uh, or myself directly and we can certainly make that happen. So without any further ado, let's get straight into our first episode with Coach Simon Hatcher who's going to talk to us a little bit about run defence, specifically the responsibilities of four spill uh, defenders along with leverage and the importance of this to run a successful defence. Hello and welcome uh, to the first ever episode of the BAFCA Coaching Podcast. I'm joined today with um, Coach Simon Hatcher, a long time coach in the, in the British leagues. And so Coach, thank you for joining us and really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your schedule to come and talk to us about football and specifically run game defence. No problem, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so Simon, you've been in the game quite a long time and a lot of people, especially in British football, know who you are. But for those that might not know much about you, um, it'd be great to hear about how you first got involved in football and a little bit about your background up until the current day. Okay, I'll give you a brief sort of overview. Uh, so I kind of got dragged screaming from, with a friend to a football practice. It was in 1986, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, it was for sort of the Western Stars and we started playing and I kind of enjoyed it and he didn't. So I started that journey. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, so I was sort of, look back on that when I'm coaching new players because uh, I absolutely had no idea what I was doing so 
got that experience. And then I sort of um, I started getting it really into it. I moved sort of teams playing for various people, sort of um, uh, Swindon and Bath. And then I t- took up coaching. So I went to Bath University where Coach Snooks is still coaching. Uh, I started I started that in the 1993 and sort of coached the defence while still playing and just loved it. Um, just loved the coaching, loved the developing of the players. And then, um, so then I kind of I finished playing and I kind of stopped coaching for a little while, um, just got out of football for a little while and started again when I moved up to sort of Essex. So I started coaching with Cambridgeshire Cats in 2001 and um, I was defensive coordinator then. And that was sort of an adult league, so Sunday football. But that wasn't really my thing. I, and I went back to the university, sort of coaching with, at Hertfordshire Hurricanes in 2004. And that's where most people know me because that's when I really got serious about coaching and studying. And, so. and up until last year, where I kind of taking a bit of a break now uh, things got on top of me with a sort of coaching a lot of work I'm not very good at doing things half measures so I was doing a lot of coaching so I'm just having a break at the moment hopefully get involved with a national team in some way if they have me and do things like this which gives me a great opportunity to speak to yourself that's great and um I mean, I've known you a long time. We've coached against each other and been to various conventions and talked football over the years. Um, I've always known you as a, a linebacker's coach and a, a defensive coordinator. Is that something you've always been involved in or have you had a kind of a bit more of a wider experience across football? Uh, yeah, mostly defence. Um, and, yeah, I tend to favour sort of linebackers. That's... That's where I tried to play. So and, uh, I just feel that, um, yeah, I'm very specialist, but I, yeah, I think I can coach at any of the defensive positions and then sort of coordinated for the last few years. Um, offense, I just kind of know um, how to stop it and what you're trying to do. So, you know, sure. I'm a big, big fan of the coaching conventions and we'll sit in on offense. But yeah, I'm, I'm a defensive coach through and through. Sure. And as a defensive coordinator, do you think it's important that you are you are able to coach multiple positions on defense, or is it fine to just specialise in, for example, linebackers and then leave the other positions to other coaches? I, I think you can leave the others, but you, you've got to have an understanding of how they all work together different schemes and yeah how they interact with each other on the scheme and yeah you might not necessarily be able to do the coaching the fundamentals and the techniques although yeah what I found was you need to step in for coaches that can't make practice so yeah that's that's why you want to know all the positions so you can step in and replace people that can't make that practice I'm not going to say it's it's a must-have, but certainly think it's a benefit. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, just moving on. So, 
the reason we got in contact and had you on as our first guest of the BAFCA coaching podcast was that you wrote an article for, for BAFCA titled Force, Spill and Leverage, the Three Keys to Stopping the Run Game. Um, and I read it and I thought I'm primarily an offensive coach and I thought it was a fantastic article, just really boiled down to the absolute basics and fundamentals of what defensive coaches should be should be looking at. Um, before we get into that in, uh, in any great detail, and we're going to touch on this as we go on, but I'm, I'm keen to get your opinion on American football in Britain at the moment, specifically defences. And as we know, we've got coaches with a wide range of experiences. And at the university level especially, we get a number of new coaches coming in, sort of applying their trade, not really knowing if they want to coach um, and just sort of dipping their toes into the water. Um, and that means we end up getting a, a range of uh, abilities from when we observe other people's defences. Do you think there's anything that defensive coaches, maybe younger defensive coaches, should know and have on their plate? And I'm referring to your article specifically in terms of what quick wins that they could have in terms of just getting started, getting things rolling um, in order to have a successful defence. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, that's what motivated me to write this article, really, because, um, you know, back, back when I was learning, you could get, you could get information and get plenty of books. I remember driving the sports pages in London to get obscure sort of coaching books. But they all, they're all pretty complex because they're trying to sell a book to the US market. And it's actually quite hard to find the real basics just boiled down into sort of a, a, a short section. So that's, that was my motivation for writing it. And I think that's a, a real quick win for any coaches to have those. Yeah, and just, we were just covering in the article the running game, but have those key sort of jobs, roles specified and make sure everyone understands it. And one of the things I kind of, I wish I'd put in the article, but I think I've missed it out. But when we get the, the big scores in the UK game, sometimes the game runs away with, yeah, you get the 100 plus scores. What yep. that tends to be is where the defensive players start to not trust each other and start to start to try and do too much, which is perfectly natural for a player. So they start to do too much and then everything breaks down and you get big plays against you. So I think, yeah, like say an easy win would be make sure we keep those sort of basics, everybody trusts each other. And whilst you still might get beaten because we're, you know, there's always a team better than yourselves. You can, sort of restrict the scores to sensible amounts uh, although offenses are getting better and better so that's always a challenge but <laughs> well one yeah. of the things that when i read the article myself and it's available on uh through bafka and this was in the, in the bafka facebook group one of the things that struck with me personally was as i said earlier i'm an offensive minded coach that's what i've always been for the last 15 years or so but when I became a head coach, maybe six, seven years ago, whilst I understood some basic 
defensive coverages and fronts and things like that, I realised how little I knew about defence. So I went into like research mode, tried to get a better understanding of it so I could help my own defensive coaches. And there was tonnes and tonnes of stuff. I mean, we've got the internet now and obviously things are a, a button click away. But the amount of things and resources I could find about defensive coverages or blitz packages, but I could not find anything that was around the article that you've written, which is, you know, the, the roles and responsibilities that you should really define within the run game. And that's why this resonated with me in particular, because it was just something I really wasn't able to find outside of saying, but well, you have the A gap or you have the B gap. So I really implore all coaches, doesn't matter how long you've been coaching for, to really have a deep dive into this article, because I think it could really help uh, coaches up and down the country. Um, and one of the first things you say in your article, you quote Albert Einstein, uh, and the quote is, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't understand it yourself, which I think is a great quote. Um, is that something that you sort of preach to your, your staff and your players and when you're coaching football or coaching defence? Yeah, yeah, I certainly try. I mean, it's really difficult. So, I mean... Defensive football is complex. You know, all football is complex. So I know myself and another coach were trying to explain defence to a, a new coach at the convention, and we just like every time something cropped up, then something else crops up, and you're sort of going off on branches. So it takes a real skill to be able to explain it, and I'm not sure I've got there yet. But yeah, you know, it's certainly. Yeah, understand it yourself and try and keep it as simple as possible when you're explaining it to the players. Uh, the test I always find is the key is if you can get the players to teach it to each other or, yeah, the sort of returning players or the veteran players, if they can teach it to another player, then they probably got it. But the times I've sort of asked a player to teach it and had to roll my eyes because they don't know it is um quite scary really so um yeah don't don't assume people know what you're talking about just check recheck and sort of ask ask those open questions to make sure that they understand what you're talking about absolutely um so i'm i'm really keen to start deep diving into the the article um the article has a lot of uh, video links and supporting resource which is tough to get over uh, over a podcast um, but before we go into it we, we talk about force spill and leverage um, and you also touch on BCR and what that means um, a question young coaches might have is are these terms that apply to any defense that you run so whether it's a four three or a three four whether it's a cover two or cover quarters or cover three, whatever you might run. Do these terms apply to anything that we run defensively? And if so, what are the initial steps in going about achieving um, the implementation of these terms within whatever defence you run? Okay. Uh, yes, there it is it, it is covered in most defenses now uh coaches are um really bad at keeping terminology the same so yeah 
every coach will have a different terminology. And I've tried to use the terminology that I've been taught and I've tried to veer towards the sort of terminology that's common. I mean, I used to be a real terminology snob, but I've taught myself out of that now and just um, I sort of accept that people are going to use different words for different things. And it's just up to when you meet a coach or you're going to work with a coach, let's be clear. Yeah, it's not, let's be clear on what we're saying. So if someone says to me a three technique, most of the time it's an outside shade of regard, but I will always check to make sure that they're talking about the same as I am. Otherwise, we're going to be in a right muddle later on. So, yes, and then different schemes, then the, the roles are in different places. So I'll take a, a very basic, so if you've got a 4-4 four, four defense, then the outside linebackers who have got flats in coverage are the force men in, in the run game. Uh, that's a very obvious and simple thing. But if it's, say, a cover four team, then there's some cover four teams that we use their safeties as the force men. So they read the number two receiver, and then they, if they block, they come down and be force men. So these, these roles are all within a defense, but they'll be done by different people at different times. And, and again, that's why I implore people when they're starting to keep the defense limited until you sort of learn, everybody's learned that role. Because if you, if you install a 3-4, a 4-4, a 5-2, and there's different coverages off of the back of that, and then there's people different people doing force game then confusion will reign yeah it's better to do one thing really well and then expand on it rather than sort of be very complex from the start that's great advice coach um the, the follow-up question i had to that was it's one thing for us as coaches to be able to understand these terms and or even define those terms and make sure other coaches know it and even players know it. But how is there any practical advice you can give in ensuring that the players know what roles they have that we're about to go into in more detail? And as you kind of alluded to earlier, it's really easy for a defensive player to just abandon everything because they're trusting something that isn't true. They see something, the ball carrier go the opposite way and they abandon their responsibility. Is there any, are there any uh, practical, uh, whether it's drills or philosophy or just general guidance that we can, that yeah. coaches can use to help ensure that that doesn't happen? Yeah, so what I would say is make sure your drills are set up to represent the actual defence versus the actual sort of offence that you will see. So rather than have a square of yeah some cones set out in a square have a if we're talking the force player now so rather than have a square and just have a blocker and say you've got to take attack the outside shoulder and blah, blah, make sure that you have like 
it might be cones, it might be bins, but have an offensive line set out, have an idea of where the blocker's coming from, have a ball carrier, and then it's like, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's got a bit old now, but the, the wax on, wax off that Karate Kid did was a great movie, but, you know, players don't relate to that. They want to know, they want to be able to see where this fits in the game. You know, where, where is this happening in the game? So set it up like that. Make sure that, you know, in this case, the force player, he's attacking the outside shoulder in this drill and making sure that he forces the player back inside. And then once you make sure that your drills fit the scheme that you're doing, so, yeah, they're in the right positions, then when you review film, sort of talk or to, even on the whiteboard talk to players and ask players to write it on the board yeah who is the force player come up and explain what he's doing and then on film is this correct or is this not correct and then just hammer it home every time i i i would say every clip that we're watching the first thing you say is who's the force player on this planet who would be the spill player on this play? Yeah. If there's a mistake on the play, don't point it out and just say, this is wrong. Ask, ask the players to say, what, why did this happen? Yeah. And then if they say, well, the force player went underneath the block, giving the outside run to the ball carrier, fantastic. The light bulbs come on for them. I mean, that, that's something that really resonates with me because what I've observed, uh, especially in the university game, we've got young coaches, perhaps coaches that are coordinators that haven't had much experience. And this happens on, on the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, what you're describing is perhaps a coordinator's put together a playbook of some sorts. Maybe they have to define some roles, but they haven't necessarily communicated it with the positional coaches or the positional coaches haven't made an effort to engage with it or bought in. And I've, even at my own practices, I've watched, I understand what the big picture is and I see drills by positional coaches that have no relevance to what it is that we're trying to install. And it may be just because it's something they've been taught as a player in a different scheme uh, and that's all they know. So I think the key point here is that you've got to set your stall out from the word go well before practices even start, well, well into pre-season and just make sure everyone's on the same page and ensuring that whatever we're teaching, whether it's in positional, in skelly periods or teams or whatever it may be, actually reflect what it is that you're hoping to see on the film against an opponent. Uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, we're, all these mistakes I've made hundreds of times, so don't think that I'm saying uh, that I've never made them. Absolutely. So yeah, we're suckers for drills. Yeah. And yeah, you can get a drill book, 10 a penny now. We we love the drills, we run them, but we've got to actually consider, will this fit with my scheme or is this written for a completely different scheme? And, and all we're doing is, I mean, we might be learning some techniques, but out of context of the scheme. So just think, I love this drill, but it's a little bit out of my scheme. So how do I convert it? into fit into my scheme so and yeah coaches always talk about i saw my drip or our drill showing up on film 
like that that's when the sort of light bulb comes on for everybody coaches and players so. right brilliant so let's get stuck in so the, the title of your article is force spilling leverage so let's start with force i mean your articles like, i would say it's quite in depth but it's it's very accessible even I would hope for a younger coach. Um, so why don't we just start by out by explaining what force is, some key coaching points that coaches might want to consider. Uh, and then you have a great uh, section on here about errors that are usually made by force players. So why don't we work through those one at a time? Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So what, what I'm trying to talk to the defense about on in the run game specifically it's like you're all you're like a fishing net really you're like a fishing net that's trying to trap the fish or the ball carrier in this case so that the force is the edge of the net so it's the sides of the net and then yeah just jumping ahead a bit the spill is the base of the net so we want to force the ball carrier into the base of the net or make the tackle and this is one thing and i have to keep pinching myself and reminding me when i was writing the, the article always for a defensive player the key is to make the tackle uh, that that is the goal if you make the tackle then fantastic the play's over but secondary to that then you do this role so if you're the force man and your job is outside so you either make the tackle or the ball carrier avoids you by going to the inside. And that's critical. So you, you, sort of, you take that angle of attack that the only place that this ball carrier can avoid me is by going to the inside. That makes tackling a lot easier as well when you're attacking the outside of the ball carrier, knowing that you've got a little bit of help inside. And yeah, the defensive coordinator won't go crazy if he, if he goes inside on you. But what you cannot do is let him to the outside. And then one of the, one of the things is sometimes we're a little bit too wide. So I'd, as I mentioned in the article, if you stand on the sideline and say, I've done my job, well, no, because the fishing net needs to be quite tight. The wider the net is cast, the sort of the bigger the holes are, so to speak. So, overusing the analogy here, but like, so the tighter the net is, the more you squeeze that even the the smaller the holes in the net are. So, don't no. want to be too wide. No, the the analogy you're using um, absolutely fits what you're trying to describe. It's something I've not heard before, so that's something I'm making a note on, and probably using <laughs> going forward, but. I've, I've faced the exact same problem where I, I, I have players playing force and maybe it's the defensive end or something, but they think force is forcing everything inside at any cost. So they just play real wide and all that does is open up the running lane even wider for the offensive player. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. And yeah, it's very hard to say on a podcast, but there's certain fits to get it exactly right. And then we get that. And then sort of another error might be to jump in, jump inside the block. Now, this tends to happen when you've got a very good player on the defense or you're not 
playing a very good offense. So they get confident and they can jump inside a block and make a tackle. But I would still always bring it up and always sort of mention it on film that that's not the way to do it because when you come against better players or when you come against a better team, that will be an issue. So make sure that the force men attack blockers with the inside shoulders so their outside shoulders free and squeeze inside. And if they do jump inside the block and make a tackle in the backfield, that's great. But make sure they know that whilst they did a great job and you know, fantastic, that could have put the defense in a bad position. So you're, sort of, you're rewarding them, you're saying well done, but bear in mind that that is a gamble for the defense. And yeah, it works sometimes, but if it doesn't work, then you're basically eliminating 10 players on the defense by going inside that block. Sure. And on, on offense, we tend to, we tend to categorize runs as inside runs outside runs and then you might have your sort of perimeter screens wide receiver screens would your force player approach each of those um sort of instances differently so if we just narrow it down to say an inside run such as inside zone and then outside run like a toss would a force player treat that differently or is it still the same fundamental rules yeah they would approach it differently so um Let's talk about the inside run first. So the inside run, well, I mean, I'm sure as an offensive coach, you you love when the the spill players have stopped that full carrier. Everybody's piled inside, and the full carrier bounces outside, and there's lots of space. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So the force player in this has to make sure that he squeezes, and he knows he's got to make that base of the net really strong but he's got to make sure his hips are square to the line of scrimmage. So if there is a bounce, yeah, he can make the play on the ball. So whilst you want to help inside, you've, your job is that force. So keep your, hip, say keep your hips square and make sure if that player bounces, you can head him off at the pass. So you would run down, down the line of scrimmage and cut off the ball carrier before he sort of takes that sort of 800 meter corner, gets the speed up, and then he's very hard to catch. With perimeter plays, then you normally would have a blocker or something. So you attack the blocker with your inside shoulder, keeping your outside arm free, and then force him back inside. And probably attack a little bit deeper, because it's certainly a toss play. Yeah, once once the ball's been tossed, there's not a lot they can do as far as changing the direction. So you can go a little bit deeper and attack a bit deeper in the backfield. And one, so one of the uh, errors that you've spoken about in your article is about playing a lead block, blocker softly. So as we, you were just describing, sort of having a maybe an outside run, a toss with a lead block. Um, yeah. Is there any techniques that you would coach up or is there any way that you would tackle that beast of your force player, perhaps engaging a lead blocker softly? Yeah, so um, really it's the same fundamentals as tackling. So um, let, let's say it's a, 
a force player on the right hand side and you get a lead blocker attacking him so you want to take on with your left shoulder so you're the inside shoulder and your left foot so your inside foot same foot same shoulder just the same as tackling and then keep that right arm and that right shoulder free to the outside uh, so we're attacking the, the blocker on their outside shoulder with your inside shoulder so they they can basically push you out or kick you out but they can't come around and uh, trap you inside uh, and then so just like tackling nice and aggressive once you make contact run your feet and then I'd, as the player gets more advanced they can use their hands but uh, certainly inexperienced players tend to use their shoulder because there's the, you know the fullback shoot or the lead blocker is usually quite a proficient blocker so take the sting out of the block with your shoulder and then extend your arms and get free and then try and make make a tackle and to and to drive the point home really as from an offensive point of view if we're sending a lead blocker out for a perimeter run our goal really is to try and pin what we might call a force defender or whoever to the inside to give us the outside run so yeah the whole point of this this whole article in this podcast is to just drive home the importance of having force and spill players or whatever you decide to call them so that force player has to understand that even if a blocker is trying to seal them to the inside they've got work against that to help them with their spill players yeah certainly and um obviously you're trying like you use the word pin so you pin the, the man to the inside he's got a fight against that but you also might want to yeah block him and if he's a bit soft you just drive him to the sideline opening that that uh, cd gap so so wide that the the players that are pursuing have got no chance because the ball carrier's got so much space to dodge the tackle so Absolutely, yeah yeah to attack keep that cd gap on you i don't know if there's a tight end or not so we're, we're closing that gap up as much as possible making it easier for the pursuing defense excellent so let's move on to spill then uh, you talked about it um a little bit already but what are the primary responsibilities of spill players and are spill players everyone else on defense that isn't a force player or is it specific players yeah, well, it tends to be the, like the inside linebackers or the sort of strong safety. So it's really scheme specific, but and and the defensive line really. Um, so they're they're the base of the fishing net. So they're they're the the interior, and they make sure that they flow to the inside. And the key for them is to trust the force player, not to over pursue too much. Because we've we've all seen it, everybody rushes to the sideline, the ball carrier cuts back, and there's nobody left. So, so that's why sort of linebackers are taught to shuffle, keep their hips square to the line of scrimmage, and only turn and run once they're sort of the ball carrier's outside. Um, when when there's two two inside linebackers or an inside linebacker and strong safety, they need to work together and just trapping the ball carrier. So that's where sort of the term leverage comes in. So you really need to work as a pair. 
and I I quite like the term vice, which is like a woodwork vice, vicing, but yep. don't, it doesn't really resonate with players. So we just sort of talk about trapping the ball carrier. So yeah, fishing net, trapping the ball carrier. So um, and then be quite aggressive. So you, you don't want to, the ball carrier to get through a gap and then move outside. So be quite aggressive and just work as pairs trapping the ball carrier. Um, and and this this presumably all goes back to the importance of knowing where your teammates are and what their responsibilities are because as you outline in your your article, you can have two spill players working together, but if one's playing the wrong leverage, then it leaves the other one out to dry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, a poor spill player can be an extra blocker for the offensive line, really. He just gets in the way if he's sort of over-pursuing or not understanding the defence. And I, I, Yeah, I don't really want to go too much into gaps, but because it, it's hard to do on a podcast. But, the, yeah, the defensive line need to understand their gaps and how to hold hold the hold the gap and not attack too vertically, which creates a seam. And so the whole, the whole defense in front needs to work together, covering their responsibilities and trusting each other. Yeah, that really is the key. When, when a defensive end starts jumping inside because he doesn't trust the defensive tackle and leaves his gap free, that's it. you've just got to trust each other. And that doesn't mean don't pursue and just say, this is my job. I always talk about do your job plus a bit. So if you if you're holding your gap, then you can squeeze the next gap to be a little bit smaller. Yeah, everything works together. And then once the ball carrier is declared, once he's gone across your face and is moving downfield, then you can start pressing towards it. So yeah, I keep I keep killing this analogy but you know the fishing net is just that yeah it starts to starts to drag towards wherever the ball carrier goes well i'm stealing the fishing net analogy as i said earlier but i'm also stealing (laughs) do your job plus a bit i love that one so i'm making it (laughs) um and just to stay on spill and maybe sort of filling into sort of pursuit angles and things like that are there any specific drills or sort of techniques that you like to hang your hat on in terms of making sure that the players know what they're doing yeah so um again have i mean inside run is a great thing that i think you offensive guys aren't so keen on but we we love inside run because that that <laughs> helps yeah that really teaches the spill players um and yeah the force players not so much unless you've got some wide receivers to distract them but um Certainly, inside runs great for spill, and then you could do half line and just teaching players that in individual periods how to take on blocks and be very specific. So, if there is a decent size A gap, don't jump into the middle of it because it gives the running back a two way go. Attack it from the side of your responsibility, and then he's only got one way to go. So, again, you're making that tackle a lot easier for yourself. So, and then some sort of leverage type drills are sort of great in sort of open field where you have 
two two tacklers on one ball carrier and you really don't need to do it as tackling just as tagging the hip so yeah so um the ball carrier just runs directly and tries to split the defenders they attack either hip and then you build that up so the ball carrier can jump outside and the ball the tacklers just need to work on trapping One's got the outside hip, the other one's got the inside hip, and just trap that. And then um, there's some great ones on USA Football, where um, then the play the players that have the ball are varied, or they come from varied angles, just to make it more difficult. So the two tacklers need to sort of take different angles, and they're sort of messing about with their with their schemes, so they have to work together to try and trap that man. Because yeah, offense are good as well, so we we need to make things hard for defense. I mean, that's a perfect plug for uh, the USA football resources that we've come into over the last couple of years with Bafka. And I, I even as you know, I'm a, I've been coaching for a while, I didn't think there'd be anything in there that was groundbreaking. But it's amazing how simple they break it down. And it's for any ages of any levels, just to really cover the fundamental things that we're talking about, but and wider fundamental things such as blocking. Um, so really, I mean, I mean, both of us are employing our coaches out there to engage with that and start implementing them into their practice routines. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I don't. I never thought the contact was great, but in the last few years, they've just really upped their game, and um, so the, the coaches have really upped their game and got some great drills, and drills where the players have to think, and it's not. Yeah, we're really moving away from that sort of drill, 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 drill and expecting players to make decisions in, within the drill. Um. So before we go into to BCR, just one thing that's I've always struggled with in terms of the defensive side of the ball. Offenses these days tend to be more spread-based, a lot more receivers trying to make your defenders run sideline to sideline. If your forced defender is perhaps your strong safety or an outside linebacker, and they are flexed out because of a, a slot or if it's... Um, maybe three receivers set and offences are running bubbles and things to try and stretch you even further. Is there anything that we as coaches can do to try and help force players both respect that element of the offence whilst also trying to defend, say, an inside run or an off-tackle run to the same side? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's the paradox of football, isn't it? Yeah, like... Um... Yeah, I'm saying oh, I'll do this for stuff, and as an offensive coach, you're saying yeah, but we we've, we've got this these things to make that difficult, and it, <laughs> yeah, it it really is a difficult job, and certainly the RPOs and things that they're attacking the force players. You know, Absolutely. The, so um, I would say that most of the time, what you want to do is make sure that the the defenders are in a conflict, so you don't you don't want the force player also in man coverage with a slot receiver because that's just it asking him to do the impossible. Yeah. yeah. Man coverage with a number two receiver, he's got to watch his hips and turn 
if you're asking them to do for us as well, that's an impossible situation. So just try and put them in actually realistic roles. Um, so I, as a general rule of thumb, sort of the force players tend to be the sort of flat defenders that if, if in a zone, and they don't really have much sort of man coverage responsibility. Now, yeah, offensive great as well so they they have to put you in situations where you do have to do it sometimes but sure and i think a danger that coaches can have is we watch a lot of nfl and we watch a lot of ncaa and there are resources out there that you can see what some of these coaches are doing and even at the bafka convention when we get to meet some of these experienced coaches and we try and perhaps force fit what they're doing into what we're doing over here, but we won't have the same level of athletes that we do at Division One College or the NFL. So I think it's great advice that you're saying in terms of just put your players in realistic positions, understand what they can and can't do, and uh, try and build something that makes them, or gives them the opportunity at least to be successful. Yeah, and um, yeah, sometimes like college teams and NFL teams, they, they, they don't put them put their players in a bind as much as possible because they're playing athletes of elite level on offense. So they still can't cover it. You know, they still can't do man coverage on a NFL receiver and be the force player. But, I mean, they're very much um, sort of down the distance schematically, yep. you know, tendencies in the, in the NFL, whereas we, we don't have to worry quite so much about things like that. Um, so we've talked about force spill and uh, leverage. One of the other things you touched on in the article was BCR. So would you like to just sort of tell the listeners what you mean by BCR and how yeah, you sure. go about getting players uh, executing this appropriately? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think I'm a bit of a dinosaur on this with BCR. A lot of coaches are sort of moving away from that terminology, certainly in the college game, and just sort of talking about drifting and making sure that you're know, squeezing the play. But let's stick with BCR for a minute. So basically, <laughs> it's an acronym for boot counter and reverse. So that if the play goes away from the force player, yeah, so if the play was coming towards you, you'd be the force player. But if the play's going away, then you've got to think of things that plays that may, may come back towards you. So uh, quarterback on a boot, if he, if he looked like he was handing off on a sweep, you boot back around. You've got a counter play or a reverse play. And then we've got all the zone reads and things that offences are coming up with now. So really the key is, yeah, it's not your job to race over to the other side of the field and help everybody else. You know, the play's going away from you. Keep your hips square, shuffle, think about what could happen. You know, what could make me look really silly here? So, and then if once the ball's declared, then, yeah, you know, as in when I say declared, everyone can see it in the ball carrier's hand, it's going down the sideline or going inside then you can turn and run but before then just what what can happen to me to make it look silly or to hurt the defense uh, and yeah the key ones that hence the name is boot counter sure and are your bcr players also 
your force players. Because yeah. before the snap, you don't know which way the ball's going to go. Exactly, yeah. So they're, they're the edge of the net. And yeah, if the ball carrier goes one way, there's a force player and a BCR player. And then if it goes the other way, they swap roles, so to speak. So it's just a fancy name for the, the other side of the fishing net. Sure. And, I'm, and we've touched on this a bit before, but the, with inexperienced players, and a lot of them we get at the lower levels in uh, Britball, but BCR players leave that responsibility very quickly because they want to, they're the furthest one away from the play often and they want to hunt down and make a play. Are there things that you can do in practice to help reinforce their role as a BCR player as part of being a force defender? Or is that something more to do with watching film and watching opponents and understanding their tendencies? Uh, well, so for me, the real key is that is having great positional coaches that are watching. So when, when you're doing sort of inside brand, you're doing Skelly, or even when you're doing team pursuit, the positional coaches are watching the BCR man and saying, no, you turned your hips too early. Uh, yeah, slow down, slow down. And just working on that all the time. Yeah, just constantly bashing it into their head, so to speak, to like, be alert and, and then of course when you're scripting the the sort of scout offense make sure you've got some of those counters and reverses and boots in exactly. there yeah. even if your offense doesn't run them you know the scout the scout team can run it and make sure that you get some of them in there and yeah. then you can get film a bit and you can know the players that can do it and you can highlight that and you know the players that are a bit susceptible and just work with them so it really is a mental thing because really once once a boot or a count has happened, then there's a force player, so you're back to your force drills. It's just that mental remembering to do the job. And yeah, I've, as a player, I used to like chase off like a, what is it, like a, a dog after a hare. You know? it's, it took me ages to figure out that you've got to stop and think. So I'm very sympathetic to players that, you know, because you want, yeah, the defensive coordinators are banging on about pursuit, pursuit, pursuit. Well, except for you. And it's, yeah, <laughs> so, so you've just got to sort of teach them until they get it. <laughs> yeah. And a, a great point you raised there was making sure that offense and defense are on the same plan in terms of what they're teaching at practice. So you don't want to be teaching one thing on defence and then never have to go up against it for another three weeks and vice versa on offence. So I think yeah. that's part of a head coach's and coordinator's responsibility to try and tie that all together and communicate with each other so it's, we're benefiting both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, I imagine. <laughs> but, uh, make sure that you've got, yeah, you, you make your, your skate script and make sure you've got things covered and it's going against defences that you wanted to go against and things like that. So yeah. people are learning all the time. Well, I think this whole, I mean, your article, first and foremost, but I think this podcast as well has been a great learning experience for any listeners out there. So just to finish up, are there any final comments you might have on the force spill leverage and the BCR in terms of going back to what we discussed right at the beginning of the podcast with, defensive coaches maybe they're preparing for the next season 
what they should be considering and how they go about achieving what you just talked about? Well, yeah, really, I mean, I apologise to advanced coaches in that, yeah, this is really simplistic, but I think a lot of coaches that certainly I would have learned from this back when I was starting coaching, and it's always nice to remind yourself. And it, I mean, writing the article taught me a bunch, yeah, just researching and making sure I got it, got everything as up together as I could. But just keep on encouraging the players, make sure they understand. And then when when your back's against the wall and yeah, maybe the offense is moving the ball on you, just reinforce those things. Don't start not trusting X for doing his job, right? Trust him to do his job. And then inside out pursuit, get that force. And yeah. And be be really aware of who's not doing their job. And that might it might not be on game day, so that takes a real skill to be able to see it. But when you're watching the film, yeah, it might not be the person you thought not doing their job. It might have been somebody who didn't trust and went over over the top or something. So be be very careful on what checking who's who did the wrong job, so to speak. Um, and just as a an absolute final point, just you've been on coaching observations over in America, as I as I thought. Um, I mean, it'd be great to know about some of the programs you've visited over the years, but specifically the maybe the reassurance that these guys who have the top athletes in the world and the best football players they're working on this thing on a daily basis. So is there anything that you might have observed at some of the programs you're ha- you've, you've been to see? Um, and would you care to share which ones that you've, you've gone to see over the years? Yeah, sure. Um, so I went to Florida like you did um, a few years ago, the Florida Gators. So that was one. Um, the first one I did was um, at Texas Tech with Mike Leach. And so... Um, Tony Affersmith gave me that introduction when he was the president of BAFCA. So I'm forever grateful for BAFCA for giving me these opportunities. You meet the coaches and you get over to see them. And then uh, a few years ago, I met Coach Collins, Jeff Collins, at a coaching convention. And we signed, well, I say we hit it off, but it's more like I really liked him and he, <laughs> he, he, he put up with me. But. Um, <laughs> But he, he's allowed me to visit sort of Temple and Georgia Tech. And him, him and Coach Sacker have been sort of inspirations to me on, on coaching defense. And yeah, all their practices are exactly the same as ours. Yeah, the individual drills, building it up, making sure that the drills fit the scheme and coaching fundamentals. And yeah, they it's not different. There's the players are bigger and faster and the coaches are a lot better at explaining these things than we are or than I am. I wouldn't want to judge anyone else. Uh, and yeah, it's just a great experience and it's, it's just something to see and push yourself to be better every day. Yep, absolutely. Um, coach, thank you for taking the time to 
join us on the podcast and talk all things defence. I'm sure we'll have you back on again sometime in the future to talk about other things. Um, I know I'm being presumptuous, but I know you're happy to engage with coaches from across the country if they have questions or want further clarification on things. Are there good ways, uh, what are the better ways to get hold of you um, to start that conversation? Um, so I'm pretty easy to get a hold of on Facebook. So it's just Simon Hatcher. And by email, it's Simon D for David Hatcher, H-A-T-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. So, and yeah, I'd, I love talking football because I learn more. I mean, we had we had a thread on the BAFTA Facebook group which discussed this article and I learned more from it than a lot of other people I would do. Well, no, that's very presumptuous, but um, <laughs> I learned loads from it. So I was really happy that we had a discussion underneath and I, I learned loads from it. So I really enjoy learning from other coaches. Sure. And I, I know you won't mind me saying this, but I've seen you in action with some coaches from around the country who may not have as much experience with you and you've sat down with them at conventions or presumably spoken over the phone and email to really help coaches out. So I encourage all listeners, if you can, reach out to Coach Hatcher or any other BAFCA coach um, that you want to talk to. So let's, uh, let's all grow and develop together. Yeah, definitely. I mean, BAFCA is a fantastic organisation. and It's got some great coaches involved. Let's just learn from each other. So, Coach, thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, best of luck for whatever it is that you do in the future of football, whether that's uh, another team or Great Britain, or it may, wherever it may be. But thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. So there we have it. Our first BAFCA episode done. Um, thank you for... Simon Hatcher again for taking time out of his schedule to share his knowledge with us. I think we can all agree that there's fundamental knowledge there that is useful regardless of what level you coach at and how long you've been coaching for. So it's always good to reaffirm some of those basic principles that we should all have. And as I said, hopefully the first of many episodes, if you want to be a future guest, get in contact. If you've got ideas about who should be appearing on the show or some ideas about some of the topics you would like to hear about get in contact this is really um, a, a platform for coaches to learn and develop from so this is for your benefit so do get in contact and hope help shape what future episodes will look like thank you for taking the time to listen and i'll see you again soon for another episode